This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, October 17th, the Parenting Tornadoes edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine and a half, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I am the father to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. Well, today on the show, we've got a question from a listener who feels like she is parenting two tornadoes. Her kids are approaching preschool, and she's looking to take the levels of chaos in her household down a few notches. We're going to give her advice on transitioning her household rules. Then on Slate Plus, we're discussing the funny bits of childhood culture that stick around generation after generation, like typing boobs on a calculator or making the Superman S. It's from an Atlantic piece from Julie Beck, which we'll link to in the show notes. But here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Like the cool S, which I, I, what did you call that growing up? And did you, did you do that in school? Uh, yeah, we did it. I don't know what we called it. It was just the S. And like, yeah. there were no other letters that could be drawn in this style for this whatever reason. So we just all S. practiced drawing black S's. The S stood for nothing for most of us. Okay, we're going to catch up on our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All right, Zach, do you have a triumph or fail for us this week? We are just coming out of just Booger City, USA in our house. Everyone has been sick. I feel like everyone we know is sick. Maybe the kids had RSV. We didn't get them tested. Maybe it was just a cold. Shira is just getting over conjunctivitis. But last week, the kids were home for a couple days from school. And uh, all these forecasts of like, it's the flu and RSV and COVID compounded. It's going to make for a heavy season of sickness like indeed it's true we were just down and out we're coming out of it now and the kids thankfully you know we didn't have to take them to the hospital um because these rsv units um or you know pediatric units on the hospital are filled with kids with with rsv like it's it's no joke we're grateful that you know the kids didn't have to go to the hospital they just were able to lay low here we watched a lot of movies used a ton of kleenex but we made it through. We're starting to feel a little bit better. And hopefully we will ward off sickness for at least two days because Ami brings something home from daycare. It seems like every week. Any good movies you guys all enjoyed? Or was it plop the kids in front of the movie so that... Yeah, no, we watched um, Ophira when she was guest hosting. She suggested um, Paddington. Mm-hmm. And we watched that. That was great. Um, and then we watched Peter Rabbit, which was... Yeah. Really cute, too. Jamila, how about you? Triumph or fail? Um, you know, it's feeling a little failish, but I'll, Elizabeth will probably convince me to forgive myself. <laughs> um, Naima is home from school today. When we got up this morning, you know, I said, hey, come on, get up. I went and made breakfast and lunch, and she's still struggling and can't get out the bed. And she's on the couch, and she's asleep, and she just can't wake up. Mommy, I'm so tired. I don't feel good. And then I'm like, okay, I, I just give in. I'm like, 
get back in the bed. You can have an extra 30 minutes or just be late for school, you know? Um, cause she was yeah. just not moving. It was just like, she just couldn't, you know? And then her throat was hurting and her head was hurting and she was warm, not fever. She didn't have a fever, but she was warm. And finally I just gave up and said, okay, you're not feeling well. You can stay home. And she seems like she's doing great now. Of course. <laughs> What's she doing? She's relaxing on the couch watching a TV show, but like she just has not seemed unwell since those <laughs> first few hours this morning. And so she felt so out of it. I mean, I really, I, I wanted so badly to get her out the door. I have stuff to do today. It's parent teacher conferences. I really wanted to, you know, for her to be at after school when that happens. So I could just talk to, you know, her dad and I could just talk to the teacher in person, because then basically I have to zoom in with both of them, you know, and I really have some things I want to talk to the teacher about. So that's kind of why it's feeling like a fail. Like I really like the parent teacher conference was important. And also I had a whole plan for the day, which involved going to the parent teacher conference and then going to the gym while Naima was in after school. And now I will not be going to the gym and we're either going to do the conference in person and her teacher can see how not sick she is for herself and we can both feel like assholes or we have to do it over Zoom. Hold on, maybe let's, why don't you all see for yourselves? Naima! Yes, let's just check in. Real. Let's check in. Let's She's been quiet. Let's check in. Naima! Hi, Naima. Hi. How are you feeling? I you're not feeling well. I don't know. You don't know? No. Do does your throat still hurt? No, I just ate breakfast. That's good that your throat's not hurting. <laughs> yeah, glad to hear that. Okay. We just want to. At all, did you want to startle me again? No, I didn't want to startle <laughs> you again. We just wanted to see how you were doing. Yeah, we wanted to see how you were doing. We we were trying to assess if your if your mom made a triumph or a fail by letting you stay home today. Do you want to weigh in? Was was this a good mom move? Or a not so good mom move. Yes. It was a good mom move. Yes. Really. There you have it, Jamila. You're a good mom. You're good. Try them. And that's all we're striving for most yep. days. <laughs> Bye, Naima. Feel good. See? That was great. Not a fail. You made her feel seen and loved. That's that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I do think you should take her to the yeah, you can totally deal with this in person, and the teacher and I can have a real talk, and you can just yeah. sit there awkwardly. Can't you sit in the hall with a book or something? Yeah, I'm assuming so. There'll probably be other parents that have to bring their kids with I them. I would assume. All right, Elizabeth, what about you? So I'm taking a triumph for the week because we went on this epic trip to Churchill, Canada with my um, parents and my sister. With And it's like a small group tour to see um, the polar bears. It was completely amazing. Um, wow. Our kids were the only children on the trip because it's, you know, school is in and who takes their kids to Churchill, Canada to sit on one of these giant rover things that can drive on the tundra and you can see, you see the bears from there and they're like all around you. But it's a lot of like just sitting. Um, well, we arrived during a blizzard, and they were like, oh, tomorrow's going to be great for bear spotting, um, which 
in fairness, it was. But we get on this tundra buggy. It's super cold there, obviously. The the bay is freezing, which is why the polar bears are there. They're all making their way to the ice to head out on the ice to do most of their hunting is done during um, the winter once out on the ice, seals and that kind of thing. So you're kind of catching them on their way out. And um, the tundra buggy, like 10 minutes into the drive, we kind of like go down and go back up. We're like on one of those seesaw rides like we just keep going up and down and we said to the naturalist and the driver like are we stuck they're like no no the the roads here are really rough we can only drive in these specific places there's like wind blowing and all this snow had fallen so we're clearly stuck in a drift we just have to do this over and over again of course you know the kids like want to see bears we've like promised them bears and there's all of these mostly i will say um 70 and over on the on the bus so it could go either way they're either like grandparents hey we're so excited to have these kids with us or they're like why am i on this bus with these children right mm-hmm. we end up being st- stuck like stuck stuck like 4 hours stuck in the snowdrift. They send another buggy to come get us. That buggy gets stuck. Eventually, that buggy gets unstuck, comes to get get us, gets stuck. They have to dig us out. We have to pull this other buggy to freedom. Like, it, it, it was just sort of a mess. Now, you have, there's a bathroom on board, and there's food. But it, this is a win because my kids were great, and it wasn't that they were great. It was that Jeff and I were a great team. My parents were helpful. My sister was helpful in the sense that, like, we were able to keep them focused. We had brought, like, journals to draw on and things like that. Um, but, of course, we're, they, we thought we'd be moving. And there's something about moving and having the kids look for things. And, in fact, the bears did come out and we got this opportunity to see um, several mom mama bears with their baby, their mm. one-year-old babies that wouldn't normally come out because the buggy makes so much noise. Um, and they tend to kind of stay hidden because the dad polar bears are trying to eat the baby polar bears. It's a mess. Um, but we got to see all of this stuff, which was great. But I was so proud of us. Like, I, I feel like even though the kids were good, this is like a true win for us because when we needed something or we got frustrated, like, no one was arguing with anyone. We were just able to take the kids. You know, Teddy is obviously the hardest to deal with. Um, and there was no, like, well, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do with him or this. That was just like, okay, I'm going to take him and do this. I'm going to do this. Let's play tic-tac-toe. Let's do this drawing. Like, just keeping them entertained. We had audiobooks, of course, um, binoculars. Like, we were, Jeff was spotting other things with the kids. Like, we were just able to make this a really fun experience and that really set the stage for the when we had to get back on the buggy the next day it was like we had almost practiced how we were going to look for bears and so they were able to spot all of these things and point them out to other people which was like really fun and they were so excited about it so i i just was so pleased because sometimes when i'm in these situations we take the kids a lot of places that other people don't take their children and i'm always very mindful that like i don't want to be ruining someone else's experience with the presence of my children mm-hmm. um even though my kids have just like right like we paid the same to be there with them all of that um but i don't want them to to ruin something for someone else and teaching them that and having them practice that felt like just such a big mm-hmm. big win mm-hmm. the polar bears also were um, it's a completely amazing um 
experience and they're wonderful. And if you get a chance to go to this little remote town (laughs) that has nothing, they're polar bears. Where can we see those pictures? So you can see them on my Instagram uh, at EJPN. So cool. See lots of fun pictures of polar bears fighting and mommies and babies. And uh, I I have not downloaded the ones from the the good camera that hasn't happened yet. So hopefully that'll happen. I'll get some more up. So cool. It is very cool. Oh, I just went and saw them on your Instagram. So cool. Wow. Amazing. It was I want to really go. Cool. On that note, we're going to take another quick break and we will see you back here for our listener question. All right. It's time for our question, which is being read as always by the wonderful Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, how does one manage the transition from toddler to preschooler in terms of household responsibilities, introducing chores, uh, recalibrating behavior expectations, etc.? We have two kids, aged two and a half and almost four. We try to take an authoritative, respectful approach to parenting, and it was easy when they were both toddlers, or as easy as two toddlers can be. But now that we're approaching preschool age, we feel like we need to introduce more structure and set expectations. For example, our strategy for hitting was to intervene and stop the behavior and redirect to something else. But now the hitting is motivated, i.e. brother took my toy or I want your attention, so I'm going to hit. This transition has made us unsure what to do. When do you introduce consequences? What is appropriate? What about introducing expectations like, you will use a fork at dinner and not make a mess, or you will put your laundry in the hamper? Right now, it just feels a bit like we are parenting two tornadoes, and I would really like to get some semblance of order back. Any ideas? If it matters, they are both extroverted, high-energy boys, which may be part of why it's challenging right now. Thanks. Overwhelmed. This is a great question. I'm in a similar area right now you know our kids are five and two and so there's a couple parts to this question there's the first part how can we introduce chores and then how do we introduce consequences so your older one especially is totally ready for some really simple chores but i thought of that marge piercy poem to be of use like the last two lines of that poem the pitcher cries for water to carry and a person for work that is real like I think that our kids can get in tune with some basic responsibilities and chores and and it not feel like a burden to them, but that they are actually like contributing to the household. I think it empowers them. And, you know, we, we totally struggle with this. It's not like Noah, my oldest, is folding her laundry and taking out the trash yet. However, she's five. She does help with dinner a lot and she's starting to help her brother in ways that are uh so sweet but like he he won't clean up if we ask him to clean up but if she leads if she starts to clean up he will in turn follow um and you know just we were doing it with the the magnetiles last night like he'll knock him over and not really give a shit but like once we deputize her to be you know, the leader in cleaning up, he'll see, oh, this person who I think is the coolest person in the world, um, she's cleaning up, I can follow. And half the time he will. Um, I find another really great chore to introduce. And again, I'm not sure if chore is the right word, but but 
responsibility maybe yeah responsibility is having noah help me prepare dinner because it's fun and it's like so elemental to um helping a house run and she enjoys doing it she's really into baking shows as i've mentioned in the past so she's interested in in cooking she's interested in the kitchen and chopping and mixing etc so maybe easing into it with something that they might really enjoy um and, and in our case, that's cooking. Your oldest might be interested in something else that, that might be helpful to you. Like, I mean, I used to, like, the, a, a big push broom is so fun. Um, like, the big, you know, that you can go into the garage and just, like, sweep up a bunch of dirt. Something that, like, you can't mess up particularly bad. But there, there are, I think, a handful of things that you can do um, to show them, oh, this actually isn't that bad. This is, this is kind of fun. And then once they're done, once they see, whoa, look what I just did. I just picked up all my dirty clothes and put them in the hamper. Like, that's not that, that huge of an ask. Um, start with that kind of easy on-ramp, and um, you, you kind of see them changing before your, your very eyes. I think both of your little ones are old enough for some consequences, you know, regarding their behavior. If you throw your cupcake on the floor, you will not get mm. another one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you hit, you won't be able to play the game we were playing. Um, and you explain them, you know, in the moment as it happens, because you threw your crayons all over the table. We're not going to be able to color a picture right now. We have to put them away instead. And if you want to be able to do an activity, you have to treat the things that we're doing the activity with nicely. You know, um, they're old enough for time out. You know, let's take a little break. I think you need a moment. Um, And for stern words, you know, like we don't do Mm -hmm. this. We don't hit, you know, I'm disappointed that you would hit your brother. You know, I wish you chosen different words. Um, Yeah, they're old enough for that. I mean, you can introduce expectations like you will use a fork at dinner and not make a mess. But at two and four and a half or two and a half and four, they're going to make a mess and they're not going to remember to use a fork for every bite, you know? So a lot of what you're doing at this point is going to be repetition. Mm. You know, you're going to repeat yourself over and over and over again, and you've got to get used to that. Jamila gave some great examples because they are all logical connection consequences with kids this age, like taking away something in the future or not having dessert, not something like that is really hard for them to understand how their action led to that. So uh, Jamila's example of like, you threw the cupcake, you don't get any more cupcakes. Like is such a good logical, like you can't handle this. So now we're just done with this and I'm sorry. And I know that makes you feel sad and angry, but that is how it is. We can try again tomorrow, right? Um, setting up those really logical mm-hmm. consequences. I think once you have the rules and the consequences, you should think about what are the big ticket items and what are kind of like nice to have. So in what you've written for me, like the big ticket item here is hitting when we're frustrated um, or when we're not getting our way. The nice to have is like using the fork. So 
for me, nice-to-haves are really good for rewards. Like, hey, we're going to do this sticker chart, and every time I see you using the, the fork at a meal, you get a sticker on that meal, right? Now, then you can go to, okay, you've you've used it at however many meals, and you get some kind of little prize or, or family activity, whatever you want that to be. Now you need to use it for the whole, to get the sticker for the whole meal. Like, I don't see you using your fingers at all. Like, that is easy kill for the fork thing, right? For the hitting, when kids hit especially at this age, it is because they are overwhelmed and they do not know what else to do. And so I think you are going to have to continue to step in and and narrate some of that for them. Um, like adults don't even do this all well, right? So to expect your kid to just turn an age and all of a sudden know what to do is, I think, an unreasonable expectation for them. So saying things like, you know, I know that you feel angry that your brother took this, or I know that you feel angry about that. We can't hit, but we can. And then what is the behavior that you wanted, right? Did you want them to to use their words? Like, think about when you are in their frustrated place, what they're actually going to do. Because just saying, I, you know, we just don't hit. It's like, well, what am yeah. I supposed to do with this? I feel, the kid feels angry and um, they need something to do with that. And you need to tell them what that <laughs> desired outcome is. Uh, otherwise, they, they just don't, yeah. they just don't know. Lately, we've been saying, um, we don't hit people. If you want, if you have some aggression, like you can hit your pillow. Um, just so curbing it a little bit, that, that has helped, I think. And then bring them the pillow and let them hit it. Yeah. You hit it too. The other thing that that kind of stood out to me is you talk about how they're very high energy. And so I would just check in and make sure that their sensory needs are getting met. And for this, you should just go Google heavy work um, or mm. sensory diet and just make sure that that is being filled because kids have a really hard time. I, I would say everybody. Um, most adults just find other ways to, to regulate themselves. Um when their sensory needs are not met, and especially if you have very energetic kids, they tend to need a lot of this heavy work. And so I try to start, if we're going to sit down and play a board game or the two of them are going to play together and you know this is typically a time or an activity, start it with a heavy work activity. Have one of them push them in the laundry basket. You know, um, Have somebody do bear crawls. We have a little jar that has all these little like exercises in it. And sometimes as our quote unquote consequence will pull things from this jar to be like, everyone needs to bear walk. Everyone needs to, because sometimes I assess the situation and say, well, what went wrong here is that our set were so hyped up that there was no yeah. way we could handle this with a good, right? And then when we're calm, we can say, hey, I think we had a lot of problem playing this board game because everybody wanted to move their body. Mm -hmm. And so when you need to move your body, it's okay to ask for that. And these are ways that we could do it. That's great. Well, we hope you keep in touch. We'd love to know how everything goes. And if any of this advice helped or if it made it worse, let us know. Everyone else, if you have advice to offer, you can send us a voicemail or email us at slate.com. That's also, of course, where you can send any questions of your own. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Tywo Macanjula. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. Slate Plus listeners. So we came across this delightful piece in The Atlantic by Julie Beck called Why Did We All Have the Same Childhood? I love this piece. This was this was fascinating. It's, it's about child lore, a, a phrase I hadn't heard before, but essentially I'll quote from the article. When children are together, they develop their own rituals, traditions, games, and legends, essentially their own folklore, or as researchers call it, child lore. That lore can be widespread and long-lasting, 
The mind boggles to think how many generations of children have played tag, for instance. So it goes on to, to detail all of these things that, I don't know, I thought maybe some of them were regional or specific to like my lived experience, but like the, like the cool S, which I, I what did yes. you call that growing up? And did you, did you do that in school? Uh, yeah, we did it. I don't know what we called it. It was just the S. And like, yeah. there were no other letters that could be drawn in this style for this whatever reason. So we just S. all practiced drawing black S's. The S stood for nothing for most of us. I just remember once I got it, it felt like like level unlocked. Like, I don't remember what it was called, but I remember watching other people do it and and needing to like figure it mm-hmm. out or ask for help. And once I could do it, feeling like, oh. Yeah, I knew it as the Stussy S. I thought it was a logo from that company, from that skate Ooh. company, Stussy. But it might not even necessarily have been that. But that's how it spread. And that that's that's the fascinating thing about this piece where they where they interview um, like cultural um, anthropologists and this professor of of information science. Just the ways in which these things spread organically. There are two like main main ways they spread cousins like cousins who go from other schools they'll teach they'll teach you at home and then you bring it to your school that's how you might learn like this Mm -hmm. new variation on you know um uh you know some jump rope song or something or the new kid in school you know the the kid moves from new jersey to california and he brings with him you know the 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 stussy s for example so it's like this this kind of like underground um network of kids learning these new things um specifically like not from parents it's like learning from from friends and from people who we think are cool i would imagine that siblings probably have a lot to do with that too you know like being just two or three years removed from your younger brother or sister you know that you're passing down some of those songs and games yeah what were some big ones growing up for you two there was a lot of clapping games um I was never good at those, but a lot of hand jive games is what they were called. Uh, what else? I do remember putting boobs in the calculator and ho. 304 spells ho. That was a <laughs> big one that everyone thought was very funny when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. H-O-E. Uh-huh. They talk about the... Um batman version of jingle bells Mm -hmm. which i definitely you know i heard and until i read about it i think in my head kind of like the article says i assumed that someone at the school had made it up you know i i was not aware that this was like something that uh transcends continents even they were saying that they've met people from other english-speaking countries and they (laughs) also know versions Mm -hmm. of the, the batman song uh, what was your line for Robin? We were Robin laid an egg, Robin laid which an egg. I, which they said is the same. Well, to be fair, same. for people our age, it was on The Simpsons. <laughs> okay, so oh, okay, that probably did that. Oh. Yes, I do. I remember that very clearly. I thought what was interesting was this idea, kind of at the end of the article, that talks about how you know, as parents, we're often so worried that kids aren't playing the way they used to, but that this lore. It really is that. And that when they come home and they can spell boobs on the on the calculator, we should feel less like, ugh, like why are you doing this? And more like, see, they are they are playing and being children um and and doing the things. Cause you know, the article said one of the the keys to the lore is that it's just a little off. You know, it's risque in the sense that that parents aren't really amused by mm-hmm. it anymore. Um 
Yeah, and not that we're just not amused by it, but that we're not, we don't speak the language. We're not fluent in child lore because it's, it's specifically not for us. It's developed by our kids. So, it, what might look like gibberish to us or nonsense has, has an internal logic, mm-hmm. but only to the, the, you know, the youths connected to it. Uh, I was tickled by there's a part talking about tag and talks about how, uh, you know, kids are playing uh, coronavirus tag. Yeah. And which was funny to me because it's something I have seen my children do. And I'm kind of like, oh, don't do that. You know, like, oh, can we call it something else? Can we do something else? But to see like, oh, no, that's just part of it. Like they're, it's part of their lived experience. And that is what makes it, you know, like, sure, they're still playing the game tag, but they've made it uniquely theirs for them. Uh, but to also know that it's like happening other places with other kids that my kids don't know and had no, you know, touch point with. And that kids were playing cholera tag 100 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a new one. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard of either. What? How do you play COVID tag? It's just regular tag, but when you when you touch them, they have COVID. Oh, good lord! And then the then you have to come. I mean, my children either you have to then like have your mat. You can like have a mask. There were all these rules, and you can get you can be like I'm vaccinated, and that gives you like you freeze for wow. less time. Wow. Like it is it, this this playground group. It it was a whole thing, and I just the whole time felt like oh gosh, okay. Can we can we make this any? This looks a lot like freeze tag. <laughs> can we just call it that? Uh, but they got real joy in being like, well, now you have COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. working working through some of those things through play. Yeah. Well, Slate Plus, thank you as always for joining us. We would love to hear what kind of childhood lore you're seeing or had as a child. So uh, hit us up on Facebook, or of course you can email us at mom and dad at slate.com. We'll see you next time. Bye.